This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Uh, and joining me today are two men that are part of a superhero team-up that often happens on One Heat Minute. I have Batman Lands Den, Barrett and Cinephiles Stuku joining me for the 75th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 Crime of His Heat. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Oh, no, no, please, no, after please. you. No, I, I insist. Batman always goes first. <laughs> okay, I'm well, the, I'll be basically the Robin or maybe Riddler today. I'm like, please. Okay, well, I will go first. Uh, thank you very much, Blake. It's great to be here. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. Yes. Yeah. I'm con- contractually obliged to say that, so here I am. Here he is. Um, we're, we've got a really good minute here. This is, uh, this is the fallout of... Neil's diamond heist oh sorry a platinum heist scene um, where they've already we've already had uh, Joe Lynch coined the phrase um, Mr. Hydration or Captain Hydration the guy who sits down with his drink of water and uh, <laughs> and makes the makes the, the the sound that then causes Neil and the crew to literally drop everything for the heat around the corner in 30 seconds and be out the out of the frame and We've now got Vincent and his team and and his team all around set up that we've seen established before wrestling with the fact that that's happened. So this is the sort of fallout of that scene and the realization. It's a real ripper. So I want to get to it. We're going to listen to it together right now and watch it together. You guys are going to have a listen at home, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Hey, and you will let the fuck. Gee, what? Where the fuck did this heat come from? Maybe it's the score they're on to. The place, not us. Because it's been hit a couple of times, you know? Gentlemen. I was just looking up then. I always think the guy that sits down, Captain Hydration, looks a little like Scott Glenn. A little bit. Like, he's got the, he's got the, with those glasses on, I'm, uh, I feel for him. You feel for him? I do. I feel like, I feel like there'd be a look, an email sent to HR just about his, his performance. Do you feel bad for him because of the performance or because he looks like Scott Glenn? A bit of both. <laughs> but uh, when you look at him, like if we bring up a photo here of Scott Glenn, I actually think that's, that's not that far off. I think I'm, we're, we're pretty close. Like that's, he's, got a, yeah. he's got a touch of the Scott a, Glenn. A young Scott Glenn. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Scott yeah. Glenn's a very handsome man. I think he should be privileged. Yeah, this man's 
Well, he's on his way. He's got a great <laughs> jawline. No, but I feel for like I um. You, yeah, I love the way though that Pacino actually reacts. Like we saw Neil when he cocked the arm when they when the when when Wangro went rogue and he shot at the first sea at the first heist. Yes. And he had that tension, and he had the arm ready to go, but he didn't do it. Um, Vincent could have gone off there, could have actually said something to him, could have unloaded, but he just sort of goes, that's the game, let's back to work. Yes. We had a screw up, we had a setback, we know who they are, you know, it just means a little bit more work in the long run. Right at the beginning of this minute, he's like, it, 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 it's tails off in the middle of that great sentence that we get the, like, the fi- finality of like, and you will let them. So he ca- jumps right in it, let them, fuck. And he just like, he, he doesn't say fuck to the other guy. He, he takes off the walkie talkie and goes, fuck, and then smashes it because he's so frustrated that like, we've got all these guys here, but you can't, you can't take them for this. They're going to walk away from this. And I love that he doesn't take it out on his crew, how he just throws his radio. Yeah. It's not even like... He's not gonna. He's not gonna have a tam- temper tantrum. No. He just like has that little controlled burst of letting it out, and then it's done. But interesting how the time works in the over this sequence because it seems like the way it's shot would appear like because when they're driving off, it's sort of early morning, but it doesn't seem like they're there at the actual heist that long. Like we sort of feel like we see it in real time. Yes. Them getting there in the darkness. But then, when they're actually driving around, it feels like a, the time is quick, like it's we're approaching yeah. sunrise. Sure, that's just that time of the morning, though. Like, just the globe within two or three yeah, minutes, yeah. things change like, yeah, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. But it does look quite considerable. Like it's very pretty the way it's sort of the the, the, the day coming up yeah. as they're coming out of it. And they might have been there longer, having a bit of a debrief in the um, in the bunker. <laughs> we, we don't know whether Vincent has absolutely been tearing shreds off that poor captain yeah. guy for twenty minutes, and then we cut to this. But it feels like it. I do, a few seconds ago. I do wish we got to see him going home from work and the wife's like, how's your day? He's like, fine, fine, just nothing, just normal Get up day. to anything normal? No, just, yeah, actually a really good day. A really good day at the office. The thing that always gets me in this, and it's early in the morning, so, you know, the temperature's not really that high yet, but they're inside, like, it's Los Angeles, it's a hot town, and they're inside this, uh, like, sh- not, it's not a shipping container, but it's like a... In the back of a truck. Yeah, in the back, back of a truck. Of, yeah. Like, you know, it's got to be hot in there. Like, you look at these guys, and they're sweat, because they're a bit stressed about this whole situation not quite playing out. But it's the desert town, isn't it? Isn't it chilly in uh, the, the desert? Chilly in the morning? Chilly in the morning in the desert yeah. of Los Angeles. Yeah, I think that's that's why they get to wear all those snappy coats at night. Now, should, <laughs> I have... He should be rocking up then. <laughs> I have, he's not taking it seriously at all. I have been known on this show to sometimes take things out of the frame of what's actually in the minute. What? But... You? If we can look at... Isn't it look like it's the, the George Costanza with the security guard issue in the, in the, in the mall... Shouldn't he have been kept in hydration? Couldn't he have had a chair? <laughs> Look, like, did they not have enough? <laughs> I find it interesting you're making the Costanza, Costanza comparison because is there not a character in this called Bosco? There is. Yeah, no, that Bosco is Bosco the, is Ted Levine. Yeah, and He's that's right his code for his uh, for his ATM. The, yeah, the, the, the chocolate sauce. Yeah, you never admit the code. No, exactly. But the, if they just had it, they had. I'm I'm smelling a podcast with you two called <laughs> the Costanza comparison. <laughs> And you have to know that the passcode is Bosco to access it. <laughs> exactly. I'm smelling that from here. It's not a lie if you believe it. Um, <laughs> but the fact that they should have given him a chair. Why did he need to be pacing up and down in a tense situation? It was only a matter of time before he was either going to walk back and forth or distract someone or trip over or drop something. 
I feel that you're looking at me like you want me to argue with you, but I agree. Entirely. No, you're on board. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just. No, there's yeah. no point. I'm in just. Yeah. I just want to know if you want to sign up to my newsletter. <laughs> because I'm, you know, oh look, I have all the details. Look, can... I've signed up, and you're free from the spam guy. <laughs> yeah. It's it. It just is. It's so like it's the perfect bit of tragedy, and it's a funny wrestle that I think I've had a couple of times and in a pre- previous podcast for listeners you would have heard that I had um, an Australian Federal Police detective on the show a friend of mine who just said there's only one thing in this movie for him that doesn't ring like wholly true oh actually two the minor one was if the guys were out drinking one night and it was happening fairly frequently there'd be no women at the there's like because everyone would yeah. be talking shop or if there were women there'd be women cops because yeah. and because that all the be work up. the work wives the work wives everyone yeah. would be talking shop yeah um and the the next bit is he goes if i and and this is his preference as a detective he goes if i had those guys in my frame there i would have pinched them and that's that that is like he's like maybe in maybe in the USA it's it's slightly different. He's like, but if I ever thought that there was a threat and I could even get them off the streets for six months. Yeah, a got to got. A got so, to got. Like we said on the last yeah, one. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like he's he's like, that's the only thing that doesn't ring true. For me, I would have just had him I would have taken him right there. And and I said, Well, unfortunately, you know, for a, a only a seventy Four minute movie we would have yeah. had as opposed to the 170 minute but uh, uh we well, got... saved a lot of lives <laughs> exactly exactly what he said is like in the context of what these guys get up to next um it saved a lot of lives but it really that's it's out of character for them to to kill these guys these guys the, their willingness to kill is like right there but it's out of character because they would never have killed one of those security guards in the beginning of heist, had Wayne grow not no crazy, no they would and it would have been better for them. Yeah, they Actually. would have just been able to walk away. They've got these guys that they, they have they cannot recognise any of them. Can't recognise, and the ambulance. The plan was still to burn and torch the ambulance. Torch the ambulance, and that would have been the only real lead, uh, as apart from the the actual. And and there's no way that guy would have gone for his ankle holster as they were driving. Like maybe if they were driving away and hit the ambulance, but really. There's no way that guy's going for it if they're not shooting at him because he's no. got he's got automatic weapons trained on him the entire time. Yeah, and they only reacted to the violence to that the they violence. saw. Yeah. yeah, so we get this scene. I, I just love this because you know the back of the back of this truck goes down. Vincent jumps down. He just walks along. Bosco, Jerry Schwartz, and then Captain Hydration. They've opened up the door. What is the camera for? Um, the camera that the camera was the infrared camera. Okay. Oh, they had no. They had two cameras. They had a, yeah. a, two displays. They had the camera of just that, and then they had an infrared, which is the one that's that blue infrared that's uh, showing Neil's face. Sorry, I fell deep into this minute, having not seen the previous minutes for like <laughs> maybe a couple of years yeah. prior. So because it's actually interesting the way it's shot. Because when we first see it, it was showing Michael, yes, working on the door, yes. But then it gets used by man on the corner like it actually yeah. rotates and yeah. moves to be on on Neil in that, when, in that when he's in the, little, in the corner yeah yeah so they're, they're they're framing everything keeping an eye on stuff so we're at, um, imagine the funk in that room after you've been in there for a couple of like <laughs> all those detectives just sitting there <laughs> stewing in there I do love these guys that they just turn up going oh they turn up like, the, yeah. the, the cavalry's here for nothing there's such a great shot here. It's like 38 seconds into this minute where things are happening behind Vincent. You finally get to see 
him on the ground and the lay of the land. They are really, really close to this heist. It and, was so close. And great use of now showing how well Neil can take any gap and make it into camera, like just blend in. Yes. When it's such an innocuous little like corner that he was able to hide in so effectively. Yeah, and so he's just hiding there. The sun is starting to come up. He's tapping his, his pant leg. He's looking around to the different guys. You've got Ted Levine just looking a bit, dis- you know... Uh, just a little bit frustrated, a bit like sort of out of sorts about the whole thing. And I love this. I love just throwing away the radio and just throwing throwing back to work. Like mm. just back to work, slumps away. And then the final 10 seconds of the minute is Neil and team debriefing. So great. And proof, LAPD. And proof of why, like we don't go to Val Kilmer for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like De Niro's got it. Like he's LAPD, got. He's the? reacting to a noise and knows that that means they're sitting off it and may, and knew damn well what would have been that there would have he would have suspe- suspected tactical people around as well. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, maybe they're on the score. They're just they were just sitting there all night waiting for so someone to come along. Like, he's like, no, 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 no. Assume they've got everything. No, Chris. No. You don't come to Val Kilmer for ideas or hair advice. <laughs> no, his hair's beautiful in this movie. This is Pete Kilmer. Make a it. choice: ponytail or let it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, just like, it's half half. It's, I don't know what's going on here. Go ponytail or Brad Pitt Legends of the Fall. Oh. Like let it just let it dangle. Can we just say if you really want some fun, go to Legend. Type in right now: Legends of the Fall premiere. Oh. On your Google. <laughs> the the hair of Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Flowing. and Doña Banderas. Oh. It's just out of control. Flowing manes at 10 paces. What does Cruise have happening? Because I only remember the long hair from Magnolia. No, he's got like really crazy... Like it's it's the longest Tom Cruise hair you're ever going to see. Because he kept it a blonde. little long for Last Samurai. It was sort of... It was yeah, yeah when was Legends like, of the Fall? Like that's before. like 94 yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah early, early, yeah. Like that's, like that's pre-Magnolia hair. Pre-Magnolia hair, hair. yep. I thought it was his first time. Like, no. i got to go and check that premiere out. <laughs> you interview with it. a vampire. Did he have long hair for that? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the interview with a vampire premiere is just... Interview or Legends of the Fall or Interview with a Vampire? Interview with a Vampire. Okay. Interview with right. a Vampire premiere. Sorry, did I say oh, okay. Legends of the Fall? You said Legends, Legends of the Fall. Sorry, no. But the, the, still interview, great locks interview, from Brad Pitt in, in, in that. No, Brad Pitt's long locks, but Interview with a Vampire premiere, sorry, is the, the okay. peak hair. With Lestat hair. Lestat yeah. hair. Yeah. Kirsten Dunn's had the shortest hair of all of them. And she was, the, she was only a, a little tiny tyke at the time. Um, but this is a good one where he's like, oh, it could be that. But it's just silly. Maybe it's the score. He just looks yeah, genuinely surprised. He looks <laughs> yeah. genuinely, but I think it's also, you know, this crew, you know, this crew is good. Yeah. Like we hear yeah, yeah, so yeah, many yeah. times that it's like, could it be the score? Is there a likelihood that something has happened that has done it? And what's so cool is, in the, as, a, as, a, as we talk about in the previous minute, They've all, Neil's big discipline thing is if you spot the heat coming around the corner 30 seconds flat drop everything and they literally it. do it and we see it we see it in action we, we finally see it, yeah. see it yeah. in action and so here it's like he's like no way they can't they can't be on us how but could they be on us isn't it funny how Chris still says no at first yeah like showing that he still doesn't have a, a little bit of the discipline of Neil yeah. like he goes we're done and he goes I'm almost in yeah and he's like we're done we're done so it's like, it's funny that he's there to reinforce, no, like we're, we're, we're actually out, like we're walking. Because even that small time could have cost them if they wanted to come in and poach them. Yeah. But it's like, but, and you think how far this, I wonder, this would probably be, you'd assume maybe an hour out of town or somewhere to give them that They've advantage given, to see if they are being followed. Yeah, they or, wanted to make sure they were, they were clear. They've gone, 
somewhere somewhere that's got plenty of vantage to look around to see if there's any cops that have followed them on the way. But I do like the sense that they go, you know, assume they've got our houses, our like assume our cars, got our everything, got everything, and that the cops were able to get in there and tag all of that without them knowing. Yeah. Again, back to back and forth of the the two professional sides going at each other. It's fun to see that they can still slip past each other when need be. I like. I really like here the like. Um, Schwartz is a bit uh, Schwartz who's uh, a little bit muted in the previous scene when you've got Vincent's team like he's a little, a little bit passive and and Bosco if you look at Bosco's face like in this in this sequence Bosco's just like we completely balls this up like we haven't seen Drucker and the guys come down off the roofs yet so it's happened pretty quickly Bosco's looking at Vincent I love this it's like 35 seconds in I've just done a freeze frame he's looking at Vincent like uh, we completely and utterly shut the bed on this. And when, when it goes back around to his face um, and he looks over at Bosco and you see him look at him, he's just like, oh, like there's there's definitely, sh- you know, Schwartz at the back there um, is, is um, very passive, but Ted Levine's Bosco knows how much of a balls up this was. It yeah. It have been a, a closed deal. But as soon as he looks at him, like he looks away. Yeah. Like it's not even like he's looking at him saying, hey, look, you know, we've fucked up, but rather it's like he's got the shame yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think Vincent's casting any blame on Bosco. I just think they're sharing the fact that like I think, this, this I, sucks. I think Bosco was responsible for the chairs, <laughs> and he made a con- and he said, "Look, I'll, I'll wear it if something goes bad." And he's there going, "I told you, to, I told you to bring a chair, and now they've got to live with that." What are you guys but, doing on the chair front? But I also love that they go, they know that there's not time and it's needless energy to dwell on what went bad. Yes, we know what went bad. We screwed up. That's yeah. our bad. We made a noise that we scared away the animal. We were hunting and we made, we stepped on the twig. And but, but maybe they don't know exactly where the heat's coming from. I think that's where you get the next layer of how good Neil's crew is because they're like, he's already made, made it as LAPD and now he's starting to do some dig- oh, reverse yeah, then, digging. Yeah, then he, and then quickly goes on the front foot to try and fix things up. But I'm saying from these guys that the cops just go, all right, we had a setback. Let's move on. We can't. They don't need to sit there and debrief and know what went wrong. They know exactly it was Captain Hydration is the one that did it. <laughs> now while I've, I've been Googling for the guys, I just want to see their reactions and get them on the mic. This is the interview with the Vampire Premier. Oh, that is some hair. Look oh. at that. Oh, and look, we've even got a, a friend chiming in from... Uh, oh. Look at that delightful hair. How it's- does... How does Christian Slater be the most conservative person in a group in the 90s? How, does that, how is that allowed to happen? It's not. It's not. It's illegal. What kind of crazy world are we living in? So my favorite, can I talk about my favorite Christian Slater story? <laughs> yes. If anything, Dan Barrett is famous for taking this podcast completely off the rails. Okay. So for those listening, because you weren't in the room to see it, the fourth person or fifth person standing in the group of people within that premiere photo shot was Christian Slater looking very conservative. Mm. And he still looks exactly the same these days. Yeah. Because he actually is a vampire. Well, this is what I'm concerned about. Yeah. And the thing with Christian Slater is he's filmed a lot of director video movies. Yes. Like, you know, that's the great thing about it. His last big one was Broken Arrow. And then him and Travolta went straight to video. (laughs) Fuck, I love Broken Arrow. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that movie so much. Look, it's amazing. Yeah, stand by for a future Cinephiles episode for focusing on my love of Broken Arrow. But Christian Slater's made a lot of movies in Canada as a result of oh, the okay. direct-to-video thing. So, like, he knows his way around Vancouver remarkably well. Does that go up or down now that there's legalized weed in Canada? Uh, look, <laughs> I suspect goes. he's probably putting a bit more time there. <laughs> yeah. Than, yeah. But the thing is, uh, because he spent so much time there, he spends a lot of his evenings just sort of wandering around trying to find something to do in, like, Vancouver. Because it's not like a big nightlife kind of a town. So anyway, my sister... That was uh, Christian. At the that was Christian out house. there. <laughs> just knocking on the door, looking for some activity, some fun. Uh, so my sister was in Vancouver, like, on holidays for a few weeks. And she was spending time with, like, some old friends that lived there. And apparently, according to the old friends, Christian Slater, like, he's well known there for... If you see Christian Slater when you're out and about... You go there and you just say, hey, how you doing? And if you're a young person, he latches onto you and he will show you the best night of your lives because he will take you and get you what you want. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Maybe what you don't want as well. But yeah, you will have an amazing time if you ever see him because he's just looking for anyone to glom onto because he's there all the time and he just needs stuff going on. <laughs> so you look for Christian Slater if he's out on shoot. <laughs> so this was like... I'd hate to be too old when you found him and he's like... Sorry, mate. You're in your mid-30s. Time <laughs> nah, to move you're on. you're out. You're yeah. out. Yeah. It, it probably helps if you're a young woman. Now, yeah, now, sure. now, yeah. now, Bill Murray is famous for this. Like, the, he, he's the life of the party wherever he goes. He'll stumble in and borrow an entire bar of things. He'll go and sing at someone's wedding randomly. The fact that it's Christian Slater, I really like it. I really like that a lot. But, it, like, but I what, wanted to start with him, like, going through your bin. And you're like, <laughs> Christian Slater? Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, what are you up to tonight? I oh. want him to be from Pump Up the Volume and just <laughs> randomly barging into a podcast in Vancouver. Yeah, Harry Hardon. Harry, just there. Happy Harry Hardon. But no, what I think is important about it is Christian Slater's doing it out of desperation, whereas Bill Murray's doing it out of lifestyle choice. Yes. Yeah, and that's why I love Slater, Slater so much more. Keep the dream alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, keep it alive, Christian. Bless you. He's never been the same since he threw a nuclear warhead at John Travolta in Broken Arrow. That's a troubling thing, is that they've got a name for it, and that's, you know, that, it happens that often that they needed to come up with the name Broken Arrow. That's what's so disturbing. Instead of Val Kilmer, Christian Slater, does the movie still work? I say yes. No. I say no way. With a scar? I've just come off revisiting um, Robin Hood, Prince, Robin of Hood Prince of Thieves. And I've just come off listening so, to the episode of you revisiting so, Robin Hood Prince so of Thieves. So my Christian Slater stock is very high <laughs> at the moment. I, there's no way that Christian Slater can be a Kilmer oh, in this. Let's bring it forward. Oh, oh, how can This is it? the only scene that Christian Slater could play Val Kilmer's Christian Hairless. He's too much... He's, he's got too much of a whiny everything. Yeah, too much of a skinny Jack Nicholson impression yes, happening. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm comfortable with it, but I was also the same person's housing pre-podcast recording that Gary Busey should also be replacing the Val Kilmer role. No, no way. That's abusive, okay? That is abusive. The the chipmunk cheeks, I don't know if they could both pull it off. No. Val Kilmer's teeth are way too... Oh, sorry. uh, Gary Busey's teeth are way too distracting to be in this movie. And and with the amazing lighting and the beautiful cinematography by Dante Spinotti, we would just not be able to look at anything else in this movie. His teeth would take over. They'd be like the lights on the plane on runways at the end of this movie. Neil, get me two highs. (laughs) Two. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) I don't know why you're being so critical of Academy Award winner or nominee. Gary Busey. No, he's not a winner. Surely not. No way. No, I'll quit right Hold now. Hold on, wait. I'll, I'll quit no, this podcast I'll, right now. I'll quit this world. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm not sure, right you think me Nick Nolte? Because the lines are blurring between no, Nick no, Nolte No, no, no. I'm talking about one Gary Busey. 
Nominee. Nominee. For what? Uh, Buddy Holly story. Ah, really? I'm out. <laughs> really? Yeah. Go Busey. Yeah. Where's your Academy Award nomination? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're going to be trashing the great Gary Busey. <laughs> Who did he? I'd love to know who he lost out to now, because that's like that's got to be surely one of the. Like the trials of Hercules to beat out <laughs> beat out Boosie for a, for an Academy Award. I'm just waiting for Jake Busey's time to come. Uh, <laughs> it should be. It should come. Oh look, they he'll go- age into it. The fright. If the frighteners can't get you there, and if and if his psychopathic crazy guy from Contact can't get you there, mm. Jake Busey. They were big movies. They were big movies. There could be that Starship Trooper sequel coming around the uh, corner. No, there's already we're twelve. Probably, we're probably <laughs> we're probably due for the you know he can be the next leader of the Roughnecks. Does this feel right? Like, I, I love. I think one of the things I love about this movie is, and talking a little bit to Vincent and his team's reaction just before, is when you think Vincent's going to lose his mind and he doesn't. Like, it's actually way more powerful for him to just go, like, like when um, where Studios Casale tells him, like, oh, we can't trace the bomb, Vincent, or whatever. He's like, that's wonderful, and just hangs the phone up. Yeah. Like this movie, like back to work, like. That just plays so much better. Like, you think he's just this firecracker, and in this moment, he's helped, like, he knows it's helpless, so it's like, there's no point. You get the sense that the guy who's made the noise would be a, a cop of some, like, esteem to be there. Yes. Like, he's not going to get a seat in the room, like, on, on, from a like tactical point of view. Like, he's probably. He's a, probably one of the tactical cops that was on the roof. Fairly highly accomplished. So, he's not going to tear shreds off him in front of everyone because, yeah. again, what's it going to get you? Yeah. He's going to sit there and go, was that a good idea? Was that good how you did that? And it's like, well, back, everyone will just be back off. It's, it's a mistake. Yeah. We're all like, no one's losing their jobs. No. That's the beautiful thing about the cops. <laughs> you make any mistake you like and you're still, you're still going to make Any other job you get sacked for doing that and the cops are like, oh, they'll give us another. Back to work. They'll give us another shot. Back to work. Everyone back to the station. <laughs> get out of here, you scamps. I don't know why you're looking at me. I'm only here to derail conversations. <laughs> I thought you were going to jump in with a derail. You felt very derailing. Christian no, no. Slater wouldn't have. Said <laughs> I was actually just a little bit transfixed by Val Kilmer's like unbuttoned shirt. So he's wearing one of these sort of three button numbers. Yeah. Sort of numbers. Yeah. It's a bit and it's of... not a single one button, which is obviously a metaphor for his approach to. It's it's a shirt that Conor McGregor would wear. I find it's quite good. It's it got... screams, "I'm always ready to party." Yeah. I don't have to undo any buttons to get there. I'm just. Yeah, it also looks a little bit too golf dad shirt. Uh, I'm liking. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, but he can pull it off. He's got the hair. He's beautiful. He's just been Batman. He's just been Batman, Dan, after this. Look, I mean, that's fine, but he's also the second worst Batman. Mm. Who's the worst? Clooney. I don't like Christian Bale as Batman. Okay. Yeah, I went there. But yeah, I mean, Clooney, Clooney's not a good Batman, but he's a good Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Where does Affleck? Where does Batfleck? I'm pro Affleck. Yeah, as yeah. Bruce Wayne or as Batman? As both. I don't think he's in great movies as Batman, sure, but I think sure. he's a good Batman. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. The best Batman, though. Yeah, Michael, pure West. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, say. what? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Michael Keaton. Um, so, I, I, I love this breakdown scene, and I love that this... What's fascinating to me now is the complete flip of dynamics, is because... We, for this entire time, we know this big heist is coming up. We know that he's bought this heist off Kelso that's huge. They're going to be working towards it. We now know that these guys know the cops are on them. And the dynamic has finally shifted. Like, the cat and mouse game has shifted. Yeah, it's the, the job within the job. The, now, they've, now they've got to go in and find extra stuff that they weren't preparing for. But it's another thing. This is not on common ground. No. Because, I mean, and you, 
we'll, we'll learn later on in the film that they've got quite the net spy network anyway because when he goes back to John Voight, he's got a guy in, in like he's got a corrupt cop the hence was able to get them the files on yeah so once they once so, they make once they make who the cops are um, in the in, in a great upcoming scene in the movie once they make who the cops are in, in that scene you know they've got someone on the inside who can pull their personnel files to tell you everything about who yeah. his team is who his crew is all those guys and again a really great that's really great big Pacino in that scene yes, as well yeah great I want to know what they're looking at. They're looking at it. This is so good. So good. Now, because it's been a number of years since I've seen this minute of the film specifically, it's me, this minute was dropped on me. I was prepared for a different minute. So, I know, I did, no. I did. I did drop Dan into a different minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so watching this, essentially, what's uh, Macaulay's like, mindset at the moment? Is he prepared to go ahead still with the heist, or is he... Um, so, so... Where's he at psychologically? He, he's... Uh, Neil's got enough in his parlance. He's got enough stakes in the freezer, so that he'll he's happy to drop. Like he'll drop this now. See, I don't think he is. No, no, but but, but he's the reason why he's he'd be willing to go both ways on it. He he feels like the risk the the risk is worth it for him, but he's willing to drop it if the team drops it. But so, see, I think that's his first mistake. I think this is the first the first mistake, the first of a string of mistakes he's going to make, because he knows the heat are on them. So now you walk. Like, he's broken his his only rule he has yes. is to not walk now. Yes. They should literally just go up, like, either resell. Like, they've already, they've lost the money from the score. Yeah. Well, they've lost two because they've lost the medals and they've lost whatever they spent. Whatever they getting, spent on the money. Yeah, which yeah. was like 100K or something. 100K like that, to set up the plus job. Plus a percentage of the... Like, but, but here... I don't think he's ever not going to want to do the job because he's, in his mind, he's already talked himself into it in a, in a previous conversation um, that Dan was actually a part well, of in that episode. This is what has me thinking about this. So he is looking at this as a man with love in his eyes at the moment. Yes. And so I'm wondering whether or not, without Amy Brenneman's character resistance within the film, whether he'd be actually uh, willing to walk away from it or maybe because he's invested in that relationship. And invested in the outcome where he's like, we're going to yeah. go to New Zealand... We're so close. We're, we're so, just we're we're one more to do. The, one more job. One gar- more job. One and then more I'm job out. guarantees. Yeah. So Which, that's and and as not to you know tread on the toes the next minute. But I think in this moment, he's like, I'm willing to go one more job because I know that I'm going to get out. Mm. And so I don't think for at any point. But he, also because the score's too big. It's a huge score. It's bigger he, than anything that. But done. I reckon he starts to show that that love that he has for her also flows on to the crew here. Like, yeah. he's worried about them. Because he's actually worried about... He's worried about Chris. He's worried about well, everyone he knows, having... he knows Chris is going to do it because he needs... He's like, the score's worth the risk. But I think he's, but he's worried about, about Michael, too. Yeah, but he's also looking after... He knows Chris has a kid. He knows that um, Ashley Judd needs to be looked... Like, he wants to set... Like, as much as he wants to be this lone wolf, these guys have been with him long enough that he... You know, he's just come from the dinner party. It wasn't that long that we were all having dinner together. He wants to see all of these guys set up for life... And hopefully, like, put away and not have to get out of this life altogether. Yeah. But so I reckon this is the start where he's like, you know, if he was, if he had said, I'm done, I'm walking. Yeah. Job's yours if you want it, but I'm out. They would have all walked as well. Like he, but he knows the power he has over them that he kind of, I don't know, I get the feeling he kind of talks them into it in a way. Yeah, he does, because he knows that Chris is going to do it. Yeah. The only person here he's actually sort of, he attempts to even remotely push away is Michael, Michael in the yeah, outcome. He goes, you're set. He's yeah. like, you're set, dude. But then he also knows that he's a cowboy and he's in if he's like... Yeah. If... 
not to tread on the toes of the next minute too much, but I'll just say he doesn't give a shit because he knows that Treyarch's going to do it. He's like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, he's like, yeah I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Heat Minute. This is the one... Oh, this is the one hour and 15th minute or 75th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 Chrome Overs Heat. I've been here with two guys who often derail podcasts and they were together derailing it all together. Dan Barrett from Batman Land, Stu Coop from Cinephiles. Thank you, gentlemen. For we actually part. got it back on the rails. You we did. We went off and we came back on. We went off and went Power back on. Christian Slater. I'll see you in Moniano. <laughs> <laughs>